You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another Music Marketing Manifesto podcast episode. Uh, we haven't done one of these in a while, so I'm excited to be here today. Uh, on the line with me for this uh, for this episode is a good friend of mine, Scott James. Scott, thanks for being on the call. You got it, man. Uh, I know a number of you probably know Scott. Scott's been working with me for, what, a number of years now? I think five, six years, something like that? About that. Uh, Scott, uh, he's not officially part of the sort of music marketing manifesto team, although he's worked really closely with me and, and Scott and I have partnered up on a number of projects. Uh, Scott has helped me to produce and design the music marketing manifesto WordPress theme, which I know uh, quite a good number of you use. Uh, we created a viral music toolkit a number of years ago, and uh, we are we are partners on a project called TunePipe, which is something I know uh, a number of you have heard me talk about. I've been literally working on it for years. Very excited to bring it to market. We're finally in beta, and with a little luck, it'll come out uh, early next year. Um, so Scott is here today to kind of just make the call a little more interesting, uh, you know, and I didn't want you guys to have to sit here and listen to me ramble for 45 minutes straight or however long this this call ultimately takes, but also to just kind of help uh, move things along, uh, represent the listener to make sure I don't brush over any important details and to, you know, throw some questions at me um, because uh, I did uh, ask you guys to submit a number of questions on a recent Facebook post. We've got, uh, there were a ton of responses. I think we've got over 100 questions that came in. And that number seems to be growing rapidly, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna tackle a couple of those. And m- more broadly, we're taking the, the common themes that came in there in that thread, and we're we're sort of trying to compact it all uh, into this episode to uh, really uh, address all those common themes, concerns, questions uh, that everybody had. And uh, today, of course, what we're going to be focused on is Facebook advertising. Now, um, I, I recently sort of asked the question or, or made the suggestion that Facebook ads was the new touring. Now, um, I, I, I find uh, anytime I, I challenge the notion of touring, I get a whole lot of backlash. Um, so I love doing it um, uh, because I, I think it's really the only strategy that a lot of musicians kind of have up their sleeve when it comes to getting out there and promoting their career. And it, it, it's certainly understandable. Touring is... Touring absolutely works. I am not here to say you should stop touring or touring is a bad thing or, um, uh, you know, touring is not effective. Touring certainly is, and touring is a healthy part of most careers. However, uh, it can also be a trap. It's not very scalable. It's incredibly time-consuming. It can be expensive, and it's simply not an option for a lot of musicians, or at least long-term touring is not an option for a lot of musicians. Perhaps you've got a family. Perhaps you've got a job. Um, and or, or perhaps you don't have the funds. Uh, however, you know it does 
remind me of my last experience on the road, or I shouldn't say my last experience on the road. I have done a few little smaller tours since then, but my last big tour, I was out on the road for about a month. Uh, this is this is a while back. This is before Music Marketing Manifesto. It's before I knew any of this marketing stuff uh, that I've been doing for the last decade or, or nearly that. Um, but uh, I had come off of my big record deal. I licked my wounds for a few weeks and felt very depressed, and as you would after you get dropped from a, a, a record label. And, um, you know, one day I popped out of it, decided I, I, I didn't want to give this music thing up. I wanted to I wanted to stay at it. So I called my manager and said, you know what, get me on the road, because like a lot of you, that was all I knew uh, to do. That was the only way that I knew to go about trying to be a musician and, and reach an audience and reaching an audience is what it's all about. So I said, you know, I, I want to give this another go, get me on the road. And he did, he booked me a tour. Uh, he, uh, it was a mix uh, of dates between opening slots for larger bands and some smaller uh, shows out there by myself. Uh, I had a van at the time. Uh, I jumped in the van, went out by myself, solo acoustic. I lived in the van, literally slept on the side of the road uh, at rest stops. I don't know that I had a hotel room on the entire tour. If I did, I've forgotten about it. But I was hell bent on making a profit or at least breaking even at that state, you know, just coming off this failed record deal and, uh, and, and wondering. If I still had a career, uh, I didn't want to go out there and lose money. I didn't want to spend thousands of dollars to effectively give my music away for free. Uh, that didn't seem to make sense at that point. I was looking for a reason to continue. So I was hell-bent on, on profiting, hence why I lived in the van and slept on the side of the road, surrounded by truckers and God knows who else, um, struggling to find decent food and, and a shower, for that matter. Um, and I, I, again, I'm kind of, I'm kind of reaching here. I don't recall the exact numbers and exact details, but I probably did about 20 shows on that tour over that, over that 30 day period. And let's say on average, I had about 300 people show up to the gigs. It might've been less than that. Um, but like I say, it was a mix of some big opening slots and some very small slots in the middle of nowhere. Um, but let, let's call it 300 people for 20 shows. The math is at least easy. And that's about 6,000 impressions. And if you've ever been on the road, unless you do get big opening slots, then you know that that's, that's, um, uh, that's, those are pretty good numbers. It's not, most tours are full of a lot more dates playing for seven people, um, in the, in tiny little bars, but let's, let's, let's stick with those numbers. That works out to be about 6,000 impressions. Now, by comparison to something like Facebook advertising, I can probably spend $10 and get 6,000 impressions. Um, you know, give or take, uh, depending on the effectiveness of the ad, uh, sometimes less, sometimes more, but and, you know, and, and I can hear everybody moaning, there is a difference certainly between an impression when you're in a room performing live for someone as compared to an impression when somebody scrolls by your ad on the feed. However, the end result of both of those experiences was, uh, or both of those experiences is that I got my music in front of fans. Uh, I built my mailing list at the end of it. And I generated income at the end of both experiences. I did pull off a small profit on that tour, very small, we're talking a few hundred dollars. The difference, though, is that with Facebook, 
I t- spend a couple of minutes a day um, with the advertising and w- with touring. I spend a month out of my life, and you know, while perhaps a bit romantic in hindsight, you know, and certainly an adventure, uh, I, I did have to take a year, uh, I mean, a month out of my life, and again endure. Uh, sleeping on the side of the road, something that uh, now as a father and, you know, the, uh, with a family, I, that's just simply not an option for me on any, any kind of a long-term basis. Um, so that's, I guess, why I put it out there, you know, or ask the question, is Facebook advertising the new touring? Because I see a direct uh, correlation there, you know, before uh, the internet, before things or platforms like Facebook, um, the only real path to market for a musician was to tour. Now, Facebook advertising, while different than touring, is a path to market. It allows you to get your music in front of highly targeted people, and it allows you to create that impression that can start a relationship. And a Facebook ad all by itself is not going to sell your music. It's the relationship that that Facebook ad can ultimately key off that is going to um, potentially lead to that album sale. So it's a really powerful platform that I myself uh, am very much a a fan of. And I I think I'm about $145,000 in on my Facebook ad account. And that's not including the tens of thousands of dollars of clients' budgets that I've helped manage. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be doing that if it wasn't effective. So it's just, it's just, it's a really fantastic way for a lot of musicians to, uh, afford many of the things that touring granted them in the past, uh, but without a lot of the same, uh, restrictions and limitations. Um, and again, I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. I think in truth, when you combine the two, uh, then you have a career that has some real legs and some real potential, but certainly... Uh, you know, Facebook ads have been a game changer for me. So, um, Scott, why, why don't you help me uh, kind of move this thing along? You're the listener. You're hearing me make all these claims that Facebook ads is the new touring and God's greatest gift to us as independent musicians. What what What's the first thing that kind of pops into your mind? Well, after reading the comments on your Facebook post and seeing a lot of people who've had varying degrees of success um, so let's maybe start with something pretty general. Um, you know, a lot of people who are new to Facebook ads, you know, or haven't had any training in it in particular, uh, have had a, a lot of trouble out of the gate and, um, you know, they haven't been able to make Facebook ads work. So let's maybe start with a general question of what makes some ads work and what makes other ads not work. Sure. Um, you know, that's certainly a common um, concern. I definitely, I saw what you saw in that post, a number of people, I saw a number of people saying that it's been a game changer for them and they've had a lot of success with it. I saw a number of people saying that they've spent money and it was all a big waste and, you know, Facebook ads don't work. And I've, I've certainly heard it a lot as somebody who has been teaching this stuff for years now, Facebook ads don't work. And it, and it drives me crazy. You know, um, Facebook ads, this is not free money. They're not, you know, if, 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 if it was easy, everybody would go and just stop putting their money in savings accounts and just spend money all day long on Facebook ads. You have to have something that people want. You have to target your audience correctly and you have to be making the right offers. And one, there are a lot of areas that people can sort of miss when, uh, uh, when it comes to 
you know, how they approach Facebook advertising, but probably the most common mistake that I see people making, especially when it's just that sort of blanket statement, well, I tried Facebook ads and it didn't work. Most of the time, people are simply advertising the wrong things. You know, they're going out and they're throwing up a link to their iTunes uh, page or their Bandcamp page or wherever it is that they're selling music, maybe the store on their website. And they're saying, you know, buy my new album, XYZ, uh, here's the link. And that's kind of the marketing equivalent of going into a bar sitting down next to someone of the opposite sex and saying, hi, my name's John. Do you want to get married? You know, you're just going to freak the person out. Um, and and it's not going to result in, in you know, um, somebody accepting your hand in marriage. Uh, rather, what we do in the real world is we go into that bar, we sit down next to that person, we introduce ourselves, and we, we start a dialogue. And hopefully, with a little luck, um, the, it, through the course of that dialogue, we establish that we have similar um, interests and, and similar goals, and, and we bond, you know, we form a, a bond, and that buys us the right to, uh, uh, to ask that person if they want to, you know, get together again, and we communicate further, and we deepen that bond, and uh, we get, we, we earn more opportunities to display our value, and it's not until a very, a, a much deeper relationship that, you know, we're ultimately going to uh, you know, accomplish what we're, what we're after. Um, and much in the same way with marketing, you know, that, that's what advertise, that's the goal of advertising, at least, at least as musicians. And at least if you're asking me, we are using advertising to start relationships, to accomplish the goal of, uh, of, of making people aware of us as musicians and buying us the, the, the we're basically paying for the right to start that dialogue and and sh and create that bond and earn the right to eventually ask them to help support our careers because they see the value in doing so and just to kind of give everybody a sort of music marketing manifesto 101 quick primer because i know that there's a lot of different uh, types of people listening to this. There are people that have gone through my training and completely understand what I'm all about and what I teach. And there are many people that have, you know, never heard me speak before. So what I teach and what I've been teaching since again, 2009, is a, a strategy that involves, this is a direct response strategy that involves using advertising to drive traffic to what we call a squeeze page. A squeeze page is a simple uh, web page that offers your music in exchange for an email address. So somebody signs up to your mailing list, you give them some music. Once they've done that, and, and by the way, you convince them to do that through the strength of your copy. So you really need to have a what we call a market to message uh, match, you know, you need to target people that you know, are interested in your type of music, and then you need to uh, make a compelling argument that your music will deliver that experience that they seek in music. And if you've done that, you will see a, a decent percentage of people signing up. And if you do a good job of being interesting, uh, in the communication that follows, uh, you will see a predictable number of sales. And um, when I say communication, that follows, I use email automation tools to send out pre-written uh, and, and pre-scheduled, uh, or I should say pre-written emails at predetermined intervals to each new subscriber. And each email sends links to 
uh, various pieces of content to each new subscriber. That might be a blog post. It might be a video. Uh, <clears throat> it might be a combination of both. It probably is a combination of both. And throughout that process, you're also encouraging people to communicate, to hit reply, to comment on your posts and things like that. And again, after enough of that type of communication, hopefully, you know, that percentage of the audience that does cl click, that does connect with you and your music and use a person and everything that it is that you're doing, a, a, that percentage will feel um, that they know you, they'll feel that they appreciate you, they'll feel that they like what you do. And when you ultimately ask them to uh, help support your career, if you do it in a way that is beneficial to them you know you're giving them a good deal um, you're enticing them to take action through the strength of your offer then you'll see sales and the nice thing about this process is that um, you know this isn't the hope and pray strategy that musicians have been forced to sort of take in the past where we get out and perform and hope that the right people see us or enough people see us and eventually it all adds up to something somehow uh, rather, this is a strategy based on ROI, return on investment. You know, we spend X amount of money, we make X amount, amount of money out, out the other end, um, and we, we create, uh, through creating this, what we call a funnel, you know, again, we call it that because we send more people into the, or, or we send a lot of people into the top of it, and a, a much smaller number comes out the other end. Um, when, you, when you do this, uh, you get predictable results, and when you get those predictable results, when you have a predictable amount of profit for every thousand people to go through your funnel you know how much you can spend to acquire those thousand people and you can start to function like a real business and it gives you control that uh, you know most most musicians don't ultimately have without the help of a label and a lawyer and a booking agent and a manager and all those other things so it's been a game changer for me and a lot of other musicians more and moreover given the way the mainstream music industry is headed with their declining sales and everything else um, it's really as far as I'm concerned it's the only path forward for for musicians that don't want to just rely on on luck um, so that's that's you know the the quick version of what I I teach and what I've been teaching all these years but it's it's been Facebook ads for me and for thousands of others that have really been key to making all of that work and I guess just to kind of circle back and uh, answer your question or or sum up my answer to your question uh you know Facebook ads absolutely will not work if you're not advertising the right things and uh, you know if you don't create in compelling copy and you don't understand who your target audience is. I mean, do you have any, any thoughts on that, Scott? Yeah, I think to kind of restate some of what you said, uh, it really just comes down to a series of small steps that are well executed. And if one link in that chain fails, then the whole thing is going to fail. So for example, if you have a a bad headline in your Facebook ad, then the whole thing is just not going to work. And I think that's why you kind of have to really learn and become a student of this stuff to make it work. It's, you know, uh, there's, there are a lot of little steps to it and winging it probably isn't going to cut it. Sure. Yeah, no, I, certainly, certainly winging it is more often than not a good way to lose, <laughs> to lose money. Um, you know, there are, there are the odd story of somebody just spending 20 bucks and boom, you know, they they've, 
they've stumbled onto something. But for the most part, yeah, if, you, if you're throwing money at something without any knowledge of what you're doing, you are more than likely you're going to get a whole bunch of clicks, maybe even some likes, you know, things like that. But you're not you're not really going to get the ROI. And I, for one, am all about ROI. You know, that's really the the, the focus of everything I do is spending a dollar to make two, not just spending money, hoping that um, it's it's all going to work. Um, and I don't want to scare people off either. You know, this stuff, you know, that's why we use Facebook. It's why the platform has become so, uh, or the ad platform has become so popular. It's very simple to use. Um, and certainly, you know, there, there are more eyes on Facebook than any other website on the planet, unless Google has retaken that. Uh, last I knew Facebook had it. Um, but uh, but yeah, there are a lot of little nuances. There are you do need to know what your objectives are, and you need to be um, uh, conscious of the different elements and how things can go wrong, so that when they do, you course correct. Because again, as someone who's been doing this a long time, um, you know, I started running my first ads back in I don't know, two thousand and eight, I think. Um, uh, maybe, maybe earlier than that, uh, you know, things will go wrong. Uh, they do all the time, even when you have a lot of experience with it and you need to simply course correct. And it's not that hard, but you need, you need to know what to do and why you should do it or else, you know, you're, you're just going to start filling that. You're going to keep feeding that hole. Um, with that said, why don't we maybe, I don't know, talk about the different types of advertising because there are a lot of different types of Facebook ads and that number is growing all the time. Uh, there are different ways you can use ads, different types of ads that you can set up. You think it'll be helpful if I kind of give everyone a, a breakdown of the different key types of ads and talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, the, the the first, at least for me, there are, again, a lot of different approaches that people might take. But for me, I'm very focused on leads. Your email list is your most important asset. Uh, when you own a email list of fans, you, you own a business effectively, you have something that you can turn to and generate income from for many, many, many years. And an email, despite, you know, the people that would have you believe email is not as effective as it once was. Well, actually, there is some truth to that. It's not as effective as it once was, but it's still incredibly effective. And it's still the the most effective medium when it comes to generating income communi and communicating with an audience. Um, uh, and so my focus is using advertising to build that email list. And that means we're taking cold prospects and we are driving traffic to, in my case, a squeeze page. And for that type of ad, that's a conversion-based ad. So when you create an ad, Facebook's going to give you a bunch of uh, objectives to choose from. They want you to select an objective on each type of ad that's so that its algorithm knows what your goals are and it can help you uh, serve your ad to an even smaller segment of your audience that is more likely to do what you want them to do. Um, so when we when we drive cold traffic uh, to a lead capture form or what we call the squeeze page, uh, we are creating ads with the objective of conversions. Again, we're driving cold traffic to a lead uh, opt-in page. And this is where I spend probably 90% of my budgets. Uh, it's always build that email list, build that email list, build that email list. Um, 
However, uh, another thing that I do a, a lot of is uh, advertising to specific custom audiences. So with that cold traffic, again, we're going out there and we're saying, okay, who's going to like our music? Maybe you're a singer-songwriter who creates lyric-driven folk music. So you think to yourself, well, Bob Dylan fans are going to like my stuff. So you might target Bob Dylan fans. Um and or some segment of Bob Dylan's audience, because as we'll talk about later, that that might be a bit broad. But uh, you're going to target Bob Dylan fans as a general rule, and you're going to try to pull new people into your audience. But just because they've signed up, just because they've shown some initial interest, they've downloaded a free track, it doesn't mean that they're truly engaged yet. And it doesn't mean that they care enough to be sure to open their emails. And even if they do care, it doesn't mean that your email didn't, you know, arrive at a time when they were just busy and couldn't read it or, or couldn't click or and maybe it ended up in, in being archived or trashed, um, even though, you know, they were open to the information that it was in it. So I also use advertising. Uh, to reinforce everything that is happening via email. So I think of the, the email list as my main marketing thrust, and I use Facebook to basically just make sure that everybody is not only seeing it for a first time, but seeing it for a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth time, because it does sometimes take those multiple impressions uh, to um, get your message to hit its mark and to get people to ultimately take action. We've all heard that. And the number that gets spouted is always different. But, you know, people will say it takes three impressions before someone will take action or it'll take seven impressions before someone will take action. I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule, but it, it sometimes takes multiple impressions. So we can do things like upload our email list to Facebook, create a custom audience that we might name email list, and then create um, very small ads. You know, we're talking sometimes pennies, maybe just a few dollars a day where we go and uh target those people that are on our email list that have not landed on a particular piece of content. You can create all these advanced rules. This is where it gets quite exciting. You can create these custom audiences and create these rules that apply to that custom audience, such as people who have been on my download page but have not been on the first blog post. And you can run an ad uh, that would appear only to those subscribers uh, who basically download, downloaded your track, engaged with your music, but had not yet uh, read your first blog post. And then you can create another one for the people that have been on the first blog post, but not the second blog post. And again, just move people through that relationship building process in the same way uh, that your emails are ultimately trying to do. But uh, again, you've got this, this uh, second or the second uh prong to your approach to just make sure that people are in fact engaging with that content that you're sending out via, via email. You can also use these custom audiences to do things like um, reinforce the main offer. Sometimes that's all I'll do. Uh, sometimes I won't go and create that elaborate uh, web that I just sort of described of retargeting people. Um, but I will instead go and just make sure that once um, they land on the main offer that they are consistently seeing an ad for that offer, at least for a little while, um, so that they aren't able to just kind of forget about the fact that you do, in fact, have an album out. And you'll see companies like Amazon do this all the time. 
where you'll go and check out a, a, a product on Amazon. And the next time you're on Facebook, at least for a few days, you will see an ad for that very product. And that's how they get in front of you over and over again. We can do that with these custom audiences and uh, what is called, uh, at least broadly in the marketing community, retargeting. I believe Facebook's still calling it remarketing. Uh, they were throwing that term around for a while. I'm not sure if they still are. But, um, you know, these smaller custom audiences is a great way to go. And for people who don't have a budget, uh, a lot this this is sometimes the starting place for musicians who only have a few dollars to spend. And it's some of the best money you can possibly spend is just advertising to your existing audience to make sure that they are getting the message because it's harder than you think to get people to uh, absorb what it is that you're putting out there. We think that, hey, I just posted this. Everybody saw it. Look how many impressions Facebook says I have. But that doesn't mean that a person was paying attention. It doesn't mean that the message was driven home. And obviously, you know, if they haven't purchased yet, uh, it doesn't mean that your message was effective. So. This is a great way to increase the chances that you're going to get the results that you're that you're after. So I do a lot of that. About 10% of my budget tends to go to that kind of advertising. There are also boosted posts, which everybody is familiar with. You post something on Facebook, and uh, Facebook will do everything they can to get in front of you to suggest that if you boosted it, more people would see it. Um, and this is this is because Facebook has an algorithm called uh, the edge rank algorithm, and this algorithm basically determines um, how. Uh, your content is distributed uh, across the platform. And, and they do this because if all content was treated equally, then when you logged in to your Facebook account to see what was going on in the lives of your brother and sister and parents and best friends, instead you'd be bombarded by all of those pages that you click like on that are, were constantly filling up your feed with, with commercial messages. And so to com combat that but not completely penalize uh, businesses, they will uh, release just a small percentage of you, or I should say they will release your content, your post to just a small percentage of your audience. Uh, for me, you know, I've got the Music Marketing Manifesto pages, I think around 45,000 likes. If the post doesn't engage, it'll, it'll go out to about 180 people, uh, you know, a very small segment of the audience. Um, kind of frustrating when you've got all these followers. If people do engage with that content, then they'll release it to a few hundred more. And if people engage with that, you know, if that audience engages, they'll keep releasing it. So occasionally you'll have a post where, hey, what do you know? A good percentage of your audience actually saw it. Um, more often than not, you know, we don't see that. So we, in order to reach our very own audience, which again is one more reason we want to focus on on email because we own it and we control who sees what. Uh, but but um, within Facebook, if we want our own audience to see our content, we usually have to pay for it. And boosting is fairly straightforward. And you can boost right there from your page. But uh, and, and there are times when I do that, but I tend to go into the dashboard because you have a little bit more control. And in the broad sense, all we mean is we're putting out content. We do want people to engage with it regardless of whether or not it's part of our marketing, you know, some big marketing campaign or promotion. We do need people to continue to be engaged with our general content because if they're not engaged with our free stuff, they're certainly not going to buy from us. So boosting the content or at least some of the content, some of the, the, the key content that you've got out there uh, with a boosted post is another uh part of my overall strategy and it's something I do a lot of and then there are video ads which you know video ads is a tough one um, 
we'll go and if anyone's ever run a video ad campaign, you go and, and you run that campaign. You go, wow, it was a, a penny a view. So I got 6,000 views and compared to my YouTube video that has such a smaller number, um, this is great. Well, what Facebook is calling a view is just somebody, basically just somebody scrolling past your video with the sound turned off and seeing a few seconds of it, and they're calling that a view. So to my, as far as I'm concerned, that's not a view. You need to go and look at your your metrics and, and see what percentage of people are actually watching, you know, uh, more than, say, 25% or 50% of that video, and it's, it's a surprisingly low number uh, often, not always. Um, so video ads are kind of a mixed bag. You know, they, they can be effective. They're a little bit challenging for musicians. Um, however, there are some really... Uh, uh, powerful applications of video views, uh, such as creating look-alike audiences around um, uh, the people that have uh, watched a, a higher percentage of that video. And I'm going to have more on this coming up. I'm going to create a, a special dedicated lesson on this. But you can go and create an ad uh, or create a custom audience around people who watch, say, 25% or more of your video, and then uh, create a look-alike audience of those people. So basically, Facebook will look for uh, patterns in the profiles of those people that watch the good chunk of your video, and then look for those same patterns all across Facebook and create a much larger audience for you to potentially target. So that's a really fairly new and really exciting application of, um, of video. Um, and it and it usually takes a little bit of video advertising to build those initial numbers up. Um, that said, you know, you might uh, be one of these people that's just really dynamic and good at creating videos that are fun for people to watch. <clears throat> and if that's you, then again, I, I think um, creating a marketing message uh, in a video and then driving people to your offer through that video is, is another uh, way to, again, reinforce that funnel and ultimately generate more income. But it, it's not something... I haven't used video ads personally a lot in that capacity. I've done a little bit of it, but um, it, I, I, you know, it's 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 more something that I like in terms of being able to. It's a tool for isolating um, a custom audience, as far as I'm concerned, at least in, in terms of its its real chief benefit to musicians. Um, so that's that was you know a, a lot of information. Were you able to follow all that, Scott? Anything I brush past there that all click in and making sense? Anything else I, you want me to cover? Um, yeah, I think that covered just about everything that I can think of as far as the basics of the different kinds of ads that musicians would use. Yeah, and, you know, I just I, I covered all that not to just kind of say, well, here's what Facebook, you know, what what types of video ads exist. It wasn't just I wasn't trying to just give an encyclopedic sort of list of things. I just kind of wanted to give everybody some insight into what it what my dashboard looks like essentially somebody who is using uh, Facebook advertising a lot. These are the areas that I'm focused and these are the areas where I tend to get the, the biggest return for my spend. So I was really, you know, again, just trying to give people an understanding of um, it to anybody who's new to this stuff to give everybody an understanding of what at least one, uh, you know, somewhat 
I guess, you know, do you call me a professional advertiser? You know, I, I advertise a lot. I don't, I don't know that it's my job, but it's a part of my business. Um, but to give you some insight into, into what that might look like. Um, so I know that we've got a, a, some questions that Scott has kind of cherry picked from that, that recent Facebook post, and we're going to tackle those. Before uh, we get into those, I just kind of wanted to give everyone a heads up. One of the reasons that we're doing this, one of the reasons I've released this podcast episode, the reason I uh, you know, asked everybody to post their questions on that recent Facebook um, post is, as I as I mentioned in that email and Facebook post, is because I'm going to be creating some some new training around Facebook advertising. So many of you or anyone who's been with me for any number of years knows that back in, I think it was 2013, uh, I might have been 14, I think it was, two, it was a few years ago, I released something called Music Ads Workshop. This was just a one-off event. Uh, it was an online workshop. I opened the doors. A few hundred of you came in, and the doors closed, and that was it. And and uh, I taught the lessons. It was a lot of fun, and it hasn't been available to the public uh, in years. A lot has changed uh, on the Facebook ad platform, and I've been getting a lot of questions. A lot more musicians are using it. I'm seeing some musicians you know, doing things. I, I don't want to say making mistakes, but doing things differently than I would, and I thought, you know, this would be something fun to do as we near the end of the year to create a new version of Music Ads Workshop, and that's what I'm going to be doing in just a couple of weeks now. Uh, it's it's uh, going to be called Music Ads Workshop 2.0. Um, the course is still kind of coming together, working on it very hard as we speak. I don't have the exact release date completely 100% nailed down. I'm shooting for November 30th. I certainly will have more information coming soon. Uh, but, I, you know, I just wanted everyone to be aware of that. Um, it should be a lot of fun. If it's something you're interested in, then do keep an eye on your inbox. Um, with that said, uh, that was, again, the reason for that initial post. I wanted to take the temperature. I wanted to get a feel for where everybody was at with Facebook ads so that I was sure to cover all of your questions, not only in the course, but in this podcast episode. So again, not having time to answer 100-something questions in this podcast, um, uh, Scott has cherry-picked a, a number of those questions that seem to um, uh, ask common questions, common themes that were popping up um, throughout. We're going to tackle a handful of those. Certainly everything, all of your concerns are going to basically com be compressed into the Music Ads Workshop. Uh, my goal there will be to leave no stone unturned in terms of giving you the information that any uh, would-be advertiser is ultimately seeking. Uh, but for now, I think we can we can address some of these uh, more common uh, themes and questions, as I, as I mentioned, and um, you know at least give you some something to chew on uh, until we get to the release of Music Ads Workshop. So you want to fire some of those questions at me, Scott? Yeah, so we've had several questions about targeting. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned before, it's really about executing a series of steps to make the whole thing work. And one of those first steps is going to be targeting. So choosing what is the audience that you're going to show your ad to. Um, Paul Hoagland had a question about targeting. He said, um, or he just said, uh, trying to find the right targeting gets confusing as hell. So, you know, what would you say to someone who has that to say? <laughs> sure. Um, well, uh, yeah, targeting can be challenging, and it's especially difficult if you don't know ultimately, if, if you really don't have your brand um, nailed down, if you don't know 
you know, a lot of musicians approach uh, their craft intuitively rather than logically. That certainly makes sense. You're artists after all. Um, and therefore, a lot of musicians don't have a lot of conscious ideas about the, what kind of music they make. I'm, I'm surprised by this because I am perhaps more of a sort of is it left brain um, kind of musician uh, and tend to approach things, I think, a little more logically or from the business standpoint. But I hear it almost every day in the members area. You know, I'm not I'm not sure what kind of music I make. I don't know who I sound like. You know, who should I target? So targeting can be a challenge, especially, you know, if, if that is you, if that's how you approach things. Um, you know, the fundamentally uh, what we're trying to do is select an interest, a target interest, because when you're in Facebook creating ads, it asks you, you know, to select an interest, and you're trying to target um, people who like music that is similar to your own. There are <clears throat> a lot of mistakes that I see people commonly making. Um, one of the biggest mistakes there is they'll go way too broad. You know, I used the Bob Dylan example uh, earlier. Now that that's not you know i've seen people go a lot broader than that I'll, I'll see people target rock and roll music i see that a lot you know something incredibly broad like that where your audience is 47 million people you know that is not going to work for ads to be effective you need to have a, a very dialed in market to message match in other words you need to know the the pre-existing passions and interests um, and, and thoughts taking place in your prospect's mind and you need to deliver a message or make a bold claim or promise about the experience your music is ultimately going to offer that speaks directly to those pre-existing passions and interests and, and, and the conversation already sometimes subconsciously taking place in your, your prospect's mind um, in order for those ads to work. So broad tends to uh, be a, if you target a broad audience such as people who like rock and roll it becomes more difficult to create a message that is going to speak directly to such a broad audience even when you start targeting um, something like Bob Dylan okay we think to ourselves well Bob Dylan's pretty specific but but not really because Bob Dylan is this giant iconic artist um, who has you know, there are many, many people that have indicated that they like Bob, Di Bob Dylan, at least according to, to Facebook's algorithm. Um, and that doesn't mean that just because somebody mentioned Bob Dylan in their feed or click like on, you know, a Bob Dylan related post or page that they are actually the kind of person that is uh, actively consuming, listening to, buying um, that type of music. Again, because that that an artist like that has such a huge broad appeal. There are a lot of people that are comfortable aligning themselves with the artist, but don't again regularly buy that kind of music. Um, Facebook also makes mistakes in their targeting, and just to kind of tell you a funny story about uh, some of those mistakes, uh, or maybe not. Uh, <laughs> I my my son um, Scott knows where I'm going with this. Um, my son River, he he was three at the time. This is a few years ago. I think he was three, two two and a half, three something like that. And he asked if he could have I don't know something something sweet. And I said, No, man, you, you've eaten you've eaten nothing but sugar today. Um, and he said, what's butt sugar? <laughs> and I thought it was, very, I thought it was funny. So I posted the, a little, uh, humorous transcript of the conversation on Facebook. And for the next week or so, I saw nothing but ads with women's 
butts in them um, because <laughs> because Facebook had decided you know, that I was talking about butts and therefore people who were clearly targeting butts, um, you know, were getting me as part of their audience group. But I was not their target audience. I was a guy telling um, or, uh, or was I? I was I was telling stories about my my, you know, my son. So that's kind of how Facebook's algorithm works and somebody might say man that that guy looked like bob dylan in a post and suddenly i'm spending money to get my ads in front of them however uh, by contrast maybe and you know very different artist here and very different genre but maybe something like sonic youth by comparison you know that's that's not um that's a much smaller audience but still fairly substantial and it's not something that people are randomly talking about you know most of the people mentioning sonic youth are sonic youth fans um so you're going to get a more um accurate target audience uh when going after something like that and so when you're targeting something like bob dylan you might you'd want to find a sort of niche um, within the niche so something like um, Highway 61 revisited, you know, one of his albums. That's that's not something that non-fans are likely to be engaging with. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, audience size is also a factor in terms of going too broad. Um, there's a, there is a lot of flexibility here, but you don't want a, an audience that's too large and you don't necessarily want an audience that's too small, but you also want an audience that is... Um, somewhat proportionate to your budget. So if you were spending $100 a day, which tends to be the budget that I sort of play with, I I personally like to see an audience anywhere between say two, 300,000 and around a million. Um, when you get into lookalike audiences, um, bigger audiences can work. But if, if you start seeing an audience that is a lot bigger than say a million people, then that's a suggestion that the audience is just too broad. Um, and if you see a very small audience, that's not a problem. It's just that you're going to blow through that ad spend really quickly and that audience will probably not be, it will probably not convert effectively for you for a very long time. If you're targeting 7,000 people with $100 a day, Facebook won't even let you spend all of that money. However, if you're targeting, you know, if you have a $5 a day budget, then a much smaller audience might work. Um, so I don't know, I feel I, I feel like there's so many things I could talk about when it comes to, to targeting that I'm not sure where to where to stop talking. But, um, sure. but you know, that's, th those are some of the common mistakes that I, I see people make. And my only real advice is that, yeah, you, you really need to know your brand so that you can target um, that ideal audience. And you need to test audiences as well. Often people will try something, they'll target one audience and it won't work. And then they'll say, oh, see, this doesn't work. You want to target five different audiences or, you know, three, four or five different audiences right out of the gate so that you can compare uh, and see uh, which ones are performing best. Um, and when you create, uh, when you target different audiences, you don't uh, want to lump them all into one ad. You want to create different ad sets. And the reason being is that, uh, so... <clears throat> This is easier with visuals, but there are three different levels to a Facebook ad campaign. There's the campaign level, there's the ad set level, and there's the uh, uh, ad level. The campaign is sort of the project. The ad set is, uh, uh, well, actually, let me 
explain this in reverse, you have your ads within an ad set ads compete against one another. So basically, let's say you run three different versions of the same ad Facebook will decide which one is performing best and send most of your traffic to the best performer. That means that if you had three ads going, only one of them is going to get the majority of your traffic because they are competing against each other. However, if you want, uh, so, so creating multiple ads targeting different audiences within the same uh, ad set, and again, this is starting to sound confusing without the visuals, but uh, that that can, uh, they won't, that won't work because one will do best and it will get all the traffic. However, if you want to um, target, let's say three different um, uh, target interest groups, you, you would go and create three different ad sets and you would only add one interest into each uh, uh, ad set. So let's say Bob Dylan in one, uh, Don Henley in another, uh, Tom Waits in another, and they won't compete against each other and you can get uh, more accurate metrics and figure out which one is doing uh, best and turn off all of the ad sets that are underperforming. And that's kind of how you take steps towards a profitable campaign as, as opposed to going and just um, grouping all of those interests into one ad because one of them won't work and it'll throw off all of your metrics and you'll you'll be deflated um, ha having come to the conclusion that nothing worked but it was just because one of your interests was not or it could, might be because one of your interests was not targeted uh, and threw the whole campaign off so that's another common mistake people make and just I'm probably spending too much time on this point, but again, it's a big topic. Another thing you can do when you're completely lost uh, with targeting is create lookalike audiences. You know, if you are a musician who's been on the road and you you got uh, a database of customers, an email list of people that have um, bought your music, you can upload that uh, customer list to Facebook, create a custom audience of just customers, and then create a lookalike audience of uh, based on that customer profile and those tend to be very successful and as, as I mentioned earlier you can also do that based on um, people who have viewed a video and and that's that's a new way of going about it for people who are just getting started don't have a big customer list uh, and it also can be very effective so yeah long-winded answer to a fairly simple question but you know one with a, a lot of consequences so I spent some time on it, um, but let's uh, let's tackle some more because um, I, I know the clock's been ticking for a while. And it's probably time we sign off soon, but I do want to get through a few questions. Okay, well, let's talk about budget now. Um, so Sophie Hayes asks, how little can you spend to have a decent impact? Does it really have to be $10 a day, as most people seem to say? Uh, and she also says, you're awesome, by the way, really loving the free stuff. Awesome. Well, well thanks for that. Um, and, you know, there, I, I think perhaps to some extent that, and I understand why you're asking it, uh, but I think, I think maybe you're looking at the, the question the wrong way. Uh, I think maybe instead you should be asking yourself, how can I find more effective ways to spend more money? Um, because the more money you, you spend, the more money you're going to make. Again, it, it, at least if you're focused on ROI based strategies and by ROI, again, I mean, return on investment. Um, you know, if you're, if you're making a profit and you should be on your ads, then, then try to find ways to spend as much money as, 
as possible. And when I say try to find ways, it is there. We do bump into these ceilings. We're dealing with, or at least we're very often dealing with fairly limited audience sizes. And therefore, it becomes difficult to actually spend as much money as we sometimes would like. You need to find new audiences. You need to keep the ads fresh. You need to keep people uh, engaged. Otherwise, you're going to play out your audience pool and you're going to need to kind of take a break on that ad. So so while uh, I, I think you can get results and metrics and start measuring things with less than $10. I think you can do it with $5. Um, I, I think $10 is a fine budget. I mean, when people are, are strapped for cash because there is risk involved here. I usually tell people to start with just $5 to start getting people in their funnel, get some initial metrics, um, uh, you know, for the price of basically, well, an expensive Starbucks cup of coffee a day, you can you can start advertising and start growing your community. Um, there is there is one other factor there, though, if you're going after, say, conversions, Facebook needs to get about five conversions um, a day before its algorithm can kind of do its thing and look for an even uh, uh, more targeted segment of your audience um, to deliver those ads to. So uh, again, that's what Facebook's doing. You say, I want to target Bob Dylan fans. And then they, you start getting conversions and it looks at that audience that you've targeted and it looks for even an even smaller percentage of that audience that is performing best for, for your ad and it will serve your ad to those people initially so in order for facebook to do that it needs to get at least five conversions or so says my ad rep um and again things are always changing but that that was the last best information that i had um and so if you're spending five dollars a day and and you're struggling you know let's say you're not getting uh leads conversion subscribers for under a dollar then facebook's not going to have enough information and things aren't quite going to work in that case you'd want to either up your budget to maybe ten dollars a day or more or you might want to um uh, change the uh, objective from conversions to clicks and and balance things a little bit differently um did i answer the question <laughs> i don't know if i completely <laughs> um, yeah there. well you know one one thing that maybe you could uh talk about briefly you mentioned uh your facebook ad rep what um you know for the audience what uh what is that all about oh just as what somebody as somebody who's been doing it for uh a long time um and spends a good deal of money with them i was appointed a facebook ad rep at 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 some point and i've had numerous phone conversations um with them that's that's really all that is um I don't believe that's available to everyone, although um, they have added something, at least in my ad dashboard, and, and not all ad dashboards are the same. They roll out features differently. So I don't know if that's something that everybody has is a little option to where, where you can now speak to an ad rep. Um, and uh, that may be something that everybody has the ability to request is a phone call. And those phone calls tend to be you know, really, really helpful. Um, they're not the end all be all. Um, you know, there is there are times to be honest where I can tell I have more experience than the person that I've been speaking to, but they'll give you these little insights into um, changes in their algorithm um, and things that can be quite helpful. So that that's all that is. Cool. Um, all right. So we have a question here. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce this name. Uh, so my apologies to this person for butchering your name. Uh, but it looks like. J.A. or J.A. de Ritter. 
uh, who says some artists don't like to sponsor their posts or create an ad because they believe it looks too commercial or it's too pushy. How can I convince an artist it's actually what they need? Yeah, I, I guess I've heard that before. There are certainly, again, musicians as as creative people, as sort of right brain people, um, tend to sometimes be resistant to things like marketing and advertising. And I guess I can understand that. I'm I'm not that that personality. I I love this stuff. You know, I guess I'd make an an analogy if I could. You know, the the goal here is not to create spammy, cheesy content. The goal here is to deliver highly targeted content to people who are primed to be interested in it and if you do that you you're you're serving them not annoying them and and you know again that going back to that analogy so i'm a big beer geek i'm super into craft beer i i'm into brewing beer i i'm a beer writer for a new zealand magazine as as a bit of a side gig um and i'm, I'm just really into it as a hobby more than anything else and uh, you know as such i see content all the time on my feed ads and and such that people are that are targeting me because of my with you know brewing related stuff because of my um my interests and i i am jumping at a chance to go and click on those ads they don't annoy me you could fill up my feed with them i want to know i want this content i want to know what is out there and you know interesting to me so so if you are delivering if you're doing your job of creating interesting content and sending it to a relevant audience then it's not going to be um it's not going to come off as marketing it's going to come off as well i'm i'm overselling this but you know doing them a favor um and now having said that no you're not going to please all the people all the time um and no matter how perfect you are at this stuff somebody somewhere is going to have a problem with it sooner or later um but at the end of the day what we're trying to do uh, and what i'm trying to do is is teach you effective strategies and without question facebook is an effective way facebook advertising is an effective way of getting your music in front of people that can enjoy it feel connected to it be hopefully you know transformed by it if it's not if that's not too um grand or, or cheesy um and it, hey if if advertising can do that especially again if you're doing it in a tasteful way as i've just mentioned then why wouldn't you do it yeah i think you know really that's what it comes down to is you're just you're trying to get your music in front of people who are going to love it if you believe in what you're doing if you believe in your music then it's just a you know that there's there's no reason why uh you know, you, you're, you're not spamming people, you know, you're, you're essentially connecting with, you know, who your audience is and growing. Right. And uh, people, I want to address that comment of spam. People love to throw that, that term around. It's certainly not spam because you you know, it's not, you're using an ad platform. Spam mm -hmm. is sending somebody information, you know, mm -hmm. uh, bombarding somebody's personal inbox you know with information that they didn't request they're using the facebook uh, platform and you're paying for space on that platform it is it might be an, you know a bad ad might be annoying but it, it is not spam moreover um i think that facebook advertising allows you to be less obtrusive as an artist because you don't necessarily need to 
bombard people's inboxes over and over and over again. You can send out a message once and then rely on this a much more passive um, form of promotion like Facebook ads to make sure that they did have a chance to see that message without necessarily, again, hitting their inbox over and over and over as some people do. Um, so uh, how are we doing on, on questions? I, I, I know we've only tackled a few, but this has, this call has gone on for a while and I don't want it to run on for hours and hours. So how many more questions uh, did you have sort of cherry picked there before we sort of wrap up? Uh, well, I don't know. We think, should we, um, you know, maybe take one more? Um, uh, I'm not looking at the questions. So whatever you think, you know, is, is crucial that we address, let, let's tackle that and then, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Okay, let's do that. Um, let's maybe take uh, one or two more. Okay. Um, so Chris Jenkins says, uh, "Hey John, you're a genius, and uh, or, uh, sorry, MMM has uh, helped me uh, see a lot of results with my music." The question is, does Facebook ads really work in 2016, going into 2017, and how do I get one cent clicks? Uh, well, you know, certainly appreciate the kind words. Um, absolutely. Obviously I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be about to teach a workshop on it. Um, if, uh, if it, if it didn't work and if, 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 you know, it wasn't going to work going into the near future, um, you know, advertising is, it's been around for the ages, uh, as long as there's been capitalism and somewhere to, you know, uh, sort of real estate to get your, message in front of a target audience people have been advertising facebook is where the eyes are now so it's where the advertising is going to be in the future that may change at some point other platforms may rise facebook may fall but for the foreseeable future uh, facebook is the is the is the platform that matters um, or one of the key platforms that matter and um, while trends you know there are trends to things like advertising there can be add blindness that can kind of come over people if you just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. So, you know, there are there are things that you want to be aware of and trends that you want to pay attention to. But as as your one campaign starts to suffer, all one needs to do is modify and be a better advertiser. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of the course on any platform at any time in history. So um, and in terms of getting one cent clicks, you know, the the sh the short uh, to be honest one cent clicks is incredibly low I don't I don't have any experience with getting one cent clicks uh, I probably the cheapest I've got is maybe around four cents and you know that's challenging to do um, you certainly can get one cent video views and things like that um, but as I mentioned earlier that that's not necessarily all that valuable um, a click is is uh, far more valuable. And I have heard of people getting them with incredibly broad audiences and broad appeal kind of messages as musicians. I don't, I don't think many people are going to be pulling off one cent clicks, honestly. Um, however, you can bring those prices down and the, the very, the fundamentals of getting cheap clicks is the higher your engagement rate is with your ad, the less you're going to pay because the, the ad platform, depending on how you bid is an auction platform and if just to make the math really simple if you're bidding 51 cents and somebody else is bidding a dollar but you're getting a two percent click-through rate and they're getting a one percent click-through rate facebook's making more off of you than they are that guy who's bidding nearly twice as much as you and so you're going to get your ad served up and, and 
and at the same time you're going to cut your costs in half so that's the way you do it you target a you, you go after a very targeted audience you give them content they cannot help but click on and you'll see those prices come way 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 down um but uh that yeah that's that's the the sort of short answer to how to get cheap clicks okay let's maybe take uh one more quick um what uh all right sorry, eric um Hassan asks what's a good number of likes to have on your page before running promotions uh, you know i know i know that there are some people out there teaching folks to go get likes before they um uh, you know, start running broader campaigns. That's not something that I do. That's not something I, uh, um, you know, a strategy I subscribe to. I, I'm not, I'm not panning it. And I can envision a few reasons why you, you might want to do that, but that's not part of my, my strategy. You know, social proof is one argument for getting some clicks before you go out and, and do a whole hell of a lot. But again, I, I don't find that, that, it's that crucial, you know, having having a lot of likes on your page for the purposes of social proof, because the type of advertising that I'm engaged in is mostly, again, driving cold traffic. It's my ad popping up in somebody's sidebar um, or feed uh, and driving people to a, 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 a web page that is off of Facebook. So unless that person uh, decides, you know what, I don't want to sign up, but I'll check out their page. They're not even seeing the amount of likes that I have. Uh, and, uh, again, likes are going to come as a result of ad campaigns for the, for the sort of scenario or because of the scenario that I just laid out. So, for example, with the Music Marketing Manifesto page, I think in the beginning I did some experimenting to get likes, um, and I got you know maybe a thousand or two thousand, I can't remember, a few thousand uh, likes that I paid for. But forty-five thousand or something close to that likes later, those all came as a as a byproduct of advertising or people seeking me out. And there's a there's a benefit to having organic likes, and that's because of the edge rank algorithm that I described earlier. If Facebook releases your content to your audience and they don't engage with it, that first pool of people doesn't engage with it, then they're not going to release it any wider. So if you've got a, uh, a, a page full of people that don't really care about your content but click like because of the way the um, page was positioned in an ad, then uh, you have basically bought yourself uh, a whole bunch of people that are not likely to engage with that content when it's first distributed, and thus you've hurt your Facebook or your 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 edge rank score, and you've hurt your future content. So, uh, by comparison, if people like your page based more purely on their own volition, then you, you've got um, people paying more attention to that content, more likely to engage with it um, in, in the long run, and you've helped your edge rank um potential and so so yeah that's that's my again there are there are reasons such as lookalike audiences you know creating a lookalike audience around the people that like your page you know that's one reason you might want to build up those likes first but again it's it's not a strategy that i employ so i don't, I don't think that you need any likes to start running an ad um is that is is that it for questions that you've kind of pulled out um, yeah, I mean, we could uh, answer that if you like. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I, we do need to wrap up. So why don't you fire one more quick one at me, and then and then I'll say a few things, and we'll we'll kind of call it a day. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Mark uh, Schnabel asks, 
uh, says, hi, John, I'm interested in regional advertising to get people to come to future gigs that I'm starting. I'm really just starting off also. My main concern is what's the best way to keep costs down? Well, certainly when you're creating your ad, you can target people that live in one country, uh, many countries, or even just one very small town or city. Um, so you have a lot of options there. And, and if you are a performing ar- uh, artist, then it, it really is a valuable thing to um, spend your money in one location so that you're not just building a list, but you're building a list of people that live in one place so that you can also sell tickets and get people down to the venues. Um, so, uh, yeah, geo-targeted advertising is a great way to go. Um, I don't use geo-targeted advertising all by itself to just promote gigs. Instead, I do the same thing that I would be doing otherwise. I drive that traffic into the funnel to try to get them to convert and just add a little bit of tracking so that I can I can segment that that new subscriber if I ever need to um, and email them specifically. But I'm just trying to drive traffic to my list like I would if I was going after the an entire country and I'm trying to profit off of those people. They're just more valuable to me because they live in one particular location. When you get into um, very small audiences like that, it can be challenging. Sometimes the costs go up, sometimes the costs go down. The way you're going to be successful at bringing the costs down is to make the ad as relevant to them as possible. So you might craft a special squeeze page for local traffic that makes it clear that you are an artist local to their area and increases the engagement factor. That that would be my, um, you know, there are a lot of things you could try, but that would be sort of my first uh, order of business. But I think at this uh, point, uh, we should probably wrap up. We've been um, we've been going for a while. And uh, uh, I, I have I have an appointment to make, so um, we should we should we should wrap up. But I, again, I just wanted to one thank everyone for those questions that they posted on Facebook recently. They were very helpful. Uh, they will absolutely steer the direction of the upcoming um, training that I'm putting together through Music Ads Workshop 2.0. Again, still it's all coming together as we speak. My anticipated release date is November 30th. Um, I would love to have you on board if this is something that interests you, if you if you enjoyed this this podcast, if you found the information valuable and you can see the the potential applications of Facebook ads and you'd like to just spend basically some time with me in the members area going through all of the little nuances of creating these these ads in an effective way that is uh, you know most likely to uh, lead to the results that you're after, which hopefully uh, is building your fan base and generating more income from that fan base. So keep an eye on your inbox for that. Again, hopefully, fingers crossed, November 30th, coming soon regardless and and i'll be sending out emails and and posting ads on facebook so uh hopefully none of you will miss it so um yeah keep an eye on uh, on your inbox for that thank you again for listening and uh you know thank you scott for for uh, spending all this time with me. You guys have no idea how many times we had to re-record this because of uh, <laughs> Skype recording issues. It was an absolute nightmare. So um, Scott has given way more time than than it would appear. Um, so thank you, Scott. Uh, you got any parting words for anyone? Any thoughts um, listening to this whole conversation before before we go? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, aside from everything that uh, that you've already said, uh, but I mean, I myself, as someone who uh, does some Facebook advertising, am actually looking forward to hearing more of what you have to say myself. So, um, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that. And, um, yeah, so 
uh, glad to be on the call. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, again, thanks very much. And thank you all for listening. Y'all have a great rest of your day. And uh, again, keep an eye on your inbox for more information about Music Ads Workshop 2.0. Take care. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.